What do you do with things that are broken? Well, you got a couple options. If you're like me, most of the time, when in doubt, throw it out. I am, I like minimalism. I, I, I like clear surfaces. If, if I could live in a structure that um, everything, everything was cleared, there needs to be a place for everything, and everything has a place, and you only pull it out when you need it. When you're done, you put it away. Um, that's just the way I like to live. Um, I like everything just so, so. And uh, that's why I'm bald, because I've almost driven myself crazy, <laughs> and I've lost all my hair. Um, uh, my wife is an organized person, but she's not that way. Uh, my daughter, Mackenzie, okay. Um, <laughs> she's beautiful, but she's not a minimalist like me. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, if something's broke, I'm like, you know, well, okay, whatever. I, I guess I enjoyed it for when I had it, and if I ever need it again, I guess I'll just borrow my neighbor's. I, I don't know. But there's a couple things you can do. You can, you can throw it away, or you can, uh, you could personally fix it. Or you could take it to a professional if you don't know how to fix the item. And if you choose to fix the item yourself, many times what you do, even if you don't know how to fix it, what you'll do now that we've got Google and Yahoo and all this, we, we've got the internet, what we'll do is we'll go Google something and, and jump onto YouTube and we'll watch how somebody fixed what uh, we have that's broken. We, we go to a source, or maybe we'll talk to a professional, or, or we'll take it to a professional, and maybe ask them, how can we fix this? I really don't want, you know, I'd like to do it on my own. But you go to a very reliable source to be able to learn how to fix what is broken because you want to be able to use it again. It was, it was valuable to you, and, and you know what? I'm not going to just throw it out. I, I, I want this, and I want to to use this. I dare say that everyone in here that knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, you would say that your faith is valuable to you. Thank you. Our, our faith is valuable. You say, well, why is that? Because without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're all on our way to hell. So it's just not valuable for here, but our faith is valuable for all of eternity. And by the way, we just don't have, and I'll mention this again, but I'm going to mention it to you. We just don't have faith in faith. We have faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to have saving faith, you must have faith that's placed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith must have an object. But I would say to all of us who know Christ, our faith is valuable. Your faith is valuable whether you want to admit it or not. Have you ever had your faith shaken? I mean, to the core. Yeah. And you're just crying out to God, Lord, just don't let me lose my faith. Just, Lord, just, we'll say sometimes, let me hang on to you. But we just need to remember, he's hanging on to us. But your faith is valuable because when it's shaken and, and it seems like your whole world is falling apart and all that you know, it, it seems to be, say, wait a second, things are contradictory here. I, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't seem right. Your faith is really valuable. But what if your faith is broken? What are you going to do with it? 
Are, are you just going to throw it out? Or are you going to fix it? See, I believe that the, the, there's a, there are many Christians today that have a broken faith. It's not working right. See, I want you to evaluate your faith this morning to see if it's working. I want you to evaluate your faith this morning, if you would, and take it out and look at it and say, is my faith working or, or is, it, is it broken? According to the Word of God, what the, the Bible says about a, a, a working faith is, is my faith really working? The wonderful thing is that if your faith is broken, you can go to the source and get it fixed. I'm so glad that the Lord decided to give us His Word so that we have it so that we can be able to read his word and study his word and look to his word and say, okay, this is what God says. This is what my mind's telling me. This is what my feelings are telling me. This is what the world is telling me. This is what the devil's telling me. But this is what God's word says. And I can go to God's word and I can say, all right, I can push that all aside. And no matter what, I'm determined to be able to follow his word. And he's given us a, a, a map, if you will, Really, the Bible, you know what the Bible is? It's God's love letter to us. That's all that it is. And he's showing us how that we can enjoy a relationship and fellowship with him if we just read the love letter and then do what he says. And see, James here is telling us that we can go back to the manual we can implement what the Bible's telling us to do so we don't have to have a broken faith. James wants us really to understand faith. Now, James is not, just, just let me be quick to say, James is not giving us a definition of faith. What he's showing us here is he's showing, he's giving us a picture of faith to help us understand what working faith, or uh, we could say it this way, authentic faith looks like. So he's giving us a picture of, again, he's not giving us a definition. He's giving us a picture of what a working faith looks like, or we would say maybe an authentic faith. And this morning, what I'd like you to, to remember, and throughout the whole day, this is our theme, a working faith is a faith that works. A working faith is a faith that works. You know, that's something that you can take with you. That's easy to remember throughout the week, isn't it? A working faith is a faith that works. And if you have an authentic faith, you will possess the ingredients of a working faith. I want you to see the first ingredient. Your faith, number one, your faith is profitable to others. Your faith is profitable to others. Take a look, if you will, in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So your faith is profitable to others. I want you to turn over to 1 Thessalonians, because Paul is an example of this, and, and he shows us, how your faith, you say, well, how is my faith, can my faith be profitable to others? Letter A, put this down if you're taking notes. And I would encourage you to take notes. It does a couple things. Some of you work night shifts. Some of you may be on medication. And I'm not trying to be funny, but it'll help you stay awake. 
It will. And, and that's okay. So, some people just, you're just tired. You've been running all week and you had a late night last night. Something went on. That's why we have that. So that you can write it down, help keep awake, help stay alert, and be able to receive the word of God. You say, well, you say, well pastor, I'm not going to take notes. And if you might fall asleep. That's okay. I'd rather have you here sleeping than not here at all. You never know what might be getting in, you know. <laughs> but you say, how can my faith be profitable to others? Depending on how this goes, I might fall asleep. I don't know. <laughs> Your faith, how, how, does it, how, does it, how is it profitable? Your faith, letter A, encourages others. If your faith is authentic, your faith will be an encouragement to others. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 8. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. 1 Thessalonians 3, 1. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you, look at this next three words, concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, difficulty, heartache. For you yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, take a look at these next five or six words, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, now take a look at this, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions and distresses by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Paul was a, a great preacher, and he pastored some, small, uh, some churches, and he's, and he's talking to uh, the church of Thessalonica, and he's saying, he sent Timothy there, and Timothy came back and, and told Paul about the faith of the Thessalonians. What I find interesting is that Paul, a man of God, I mean, he was renowned, but he got discouraged, and he, got, he was in the suffering tribulation and persecution and great difficulty. But what was it? It was the people of the church. Their faith was encouraging the man of God to continue on in his tribulation and difficulty. It was an encouragement to him. He said, or else I would have thought that all my preaching was in vain, that it meant nothing, that had you not stand, had you not been faithful, had you not continued in the faith, I would have thought that it was all for naught. See, your faith ought to be an encouragement to others. Let me tell you something. Whether you believe it or not, as your pastor, every time I see you folks walk through the door, it's an encouragement to me. You say, well, this is my first time here. How can it be an encouragement to you? Because you know what? Because you came today, if this is your first time here, you're helping our church change in a, in a good way. I say, every time somebody comes and every time somebody leaves, you realize a church changes? You say, well, how can I be an encouragement to you? Because this is my first time here. I say, well... Well, you're helping the church change for, hopefully, for the good. It's an encouragement to me because I don't know what God's going to do in your life. It's going to be wonderful to be able to see. 
Over the past few months, we've seen people saved and, and discipled and growing in the things of the Lord. That's an exciting thing. That's an encouragement to me. Hopefully my faith is profitable to you as you see me preaching and teaching the word of God and, and that uh, I come alongside of you and I encourage you in your faith. That's the way the church ought to work. See, a, an authentic faith is a faith that is encouraging. It's, it's profitable to others and it encourages. Second John, don't turn there, but Second John 4. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, Second John... It only has one chapter. So when it only has one chapter, all that it does is just gives the verse. So 2 John 4, okay? So it would be actually, we could say 2 John 1, 4, but we don't need to do that. But just so you know that, he says, the Apostle John says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received the commandment from the Father. The Apostle John, who was who historians tell us who was thrown into a, a, a cauldron of boiling oil because he stood for Christ. It says that it was so hot that his body burned, but it jolted in, in a reaction like a, like a convulsion, and it threw him out of the boiling cauldron. He still lived after that, and then eventually he was, he was sent to the island of Patmos, and that's where God gave him the book of the Revelation. But John was encouraged to hear about the truth and the faith that these people were walking in. Have you ever admired somebody? Maybe for couples you've said, you've seen a couple. You know, maybe they're up in their years and, and you see them. Every time you see it, man, they're holding hands. And man, he's opening up the door for her. And I mean, they, they, they could have been married 50 or 60 years and it's like they're on their honeymoon all the time. And you're like, ah, no, no. <laughs> I mean, they just love each other. And you say in your heart, you don't say, say, man, I want a marriage like that. You know what? Their marriage has been an encouragement to you, hasn't it? Or maybe some of you young people, you see a, a, a sports star that you like and, and uh, whatever sport it may be, and you, you're like, man, that, 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 that sports star they're amazing. I want to be like that. And what do you do? You, you go out and you start practicing, don't you? You know, that's the way it should be with Christian faith. If your faith is profitable to others, it's going to encourage others. Have you ever admired another Christian? You watch their life, and you watch their walk with God, and you say, man, that's what I want. You know what they're doing? Their faith is being an encouragement to you. My question for you this morning is, would anybody say that about you? Mm. Oh, that one hurt. Right? I mean, that's street level right there, isn't it? That's where the rubber meets the road. We like to be encouraged by other people's faith. Well, guess what? There's people behind us too. Just like we're behind others, there's people behind us that are watching us and want to be encouraged by our faith. See, we like to be the ones that are being encouraged but you know what? The ones that are encouraging, that takes work. Why? Because you got to stick by the stuff. But, man, I've seen Christians, and I've admired preachers, and I said, man, dear God, I, I would love to be like that. Now, obviously, our ultimate goal is to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that. But in our humanity, we look at other people and we say, man, they've got something that I want. You ever have an unsaved person say that? Man, you're just different. 
you've got something that I want. Guess what? Your faith is being profitable. It's being an encouragement to somebody. So if you have a, a working faith, a faith that works, first we find that it's profitable to others. It encourages others. But secondly, or letter B, your faith, if it's profitable, your faith engages others. It engages others. One of the definitions of engage is to, is to participate or to become involved in. So your faith is to engage others. It, you, you participate or become involved in. Authentic Christian faith is a faith that works. It participates or becomes involved in the lives of others. We see that there's an illustration at the beginning of our text and of the, really of non-involvement. It says that if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what do the profit? James uses an illustration here of non-engagement, non-involvement. These people know the words to say. You know, we got Christianese. You know, that's our language. We got Christianese. We know all the words to say. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, God is so good. You know, just let go and let God. We got our Christianese. And that's just like these people. Be warmed and filled, brother. They don't have their daily food. They don't have the right type of clothing. See, they're the, they're the person who are trying to get the people off the proverbial front step. You know, I did my, you know, you pat them on the back while you're standing and just walk and you're, you're escorting them out the door. It's not stated, but I could imagine that these supposed Christians are really too busy with their own lives. They wouldn't think of giving up their time, and their personal finances to be able to help those brothers or sisters who are lacking daily food and poorly clothed. But that illustration right there, that's not true Christianity. Did you hear me? That's not true Christianity. It's not a working faith. It's not authentic. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 4 because I want you to see a principle in the Word of God this morning on how the church is to operate. Acts chapter 4, if you will, please. A faith that works is a working faith. Okay. How do I know if my faith is working? It's not broken. Your faith is profitable to others. Well, what does that look like? My faith encourages others. The question I want you to keep in the back of your mind is my faith, with my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, my walk with Christ, is it encouraging someone else? Would somebody look at me and say, man, I want what they got? If it's profitable, it's encouraging, then not only is it encouraging, but now he gets down to the practical part of it. It's engaging. Take a look at the principle 
in the word of God of how the church is supposed to act, is supposed to operate. Side note here. We think that the church is supposed to operate a certain way because that's the only way that we've known it and we've gotten away from the things of the Lord. Do you realize that we can have a church without a kid's program? I'm thankful for our kid's program, and I want a kid's program. There is no kid's program here. There is no bus ministry. We don't know of any choir. We had no, they, they didn't have a teen youth group. I mean, come on, you, you got to be kidding me. They never went to camp. See, that's the way we think a church ought to operate. Programs, 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 people, uh, programs. God says the church is supposed to operate people, 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 people. Programs are there just to be able to help people. But we don't need programs to have the church run the right way. Take a look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. Isn't that interesting? They were of one heart and of one soul. It says here, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. How's the church supposed to operate? Let me address a few things here. This passage is not endorsing communism or socialism or some would use this for that. I don't have time to go into that and I think if you understand the context, there's no need to go into it. This passage is not advocating the church to be a welfare society. You say, how do you know that? Because Paul balances this passage out in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. If you're not willing to work, you should not eat. So he's not just saying that the church should be a welfare society. This passage is, to, is teaching us to help out brothers or sisters in our assembly that may have a need. So the principle is, those who are part of the local assembly and have a genuine need. You say, well, uh, what's a genuine need? Well, I'll put it to you this way. If somebody says, I can't, in our assembly, if they were to say, well, pastor, I can't afford food, but they get their nails done every week, it's not a genuine need. Or I can't afford food, but I have 468 channels on my cable. It's not a genuine need. You know, you can survive without cable and the internet. If you got a choice between survival or the internet and you're on a stranded island, 
You need food or you need it. Guess what you're going to? You're going to get food. And don't be the smart ex that, well, I'll use the internet to be able to page some or talk to somebody so I can get more food. All right, smart Alec. Don't ruin the illustration, all right? You understand what I'm saying, right? I also want you to see in 1 John, take a look here. So we're looking at a genuine need. We're talking about your faith is profitable to others when it encourages and then when it engages. Take a look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. This is going to be the last text that we use this morning that I'll have you turn to. I may quote a text or two. I don't know. This is what the Apostle John says about helping those in need. We're talking about our, our authentic faith. A faith that is working is a faith that works. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now take a look. But whoso hath this world's goods. Now he's, he's showing us how do you lay down your life for the brethren. For those in the, the local assembly. For those fellow Christians. What does that look like? Is he saying that we should go die for them? Well, he's giving us some practicality. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. He's saying, you know what? And hereby we know we're of the truth. And hereby we know that our faith is working. And hereby we know that our faith is authentic. And hereby we know that our faith is real. See, the point is that a working faith will engage others. You want to know why it's hard for us to engage others? Listen. The reason that it's hard for our faith to engage others is because being involved in someone else's life takes time, takes money, and it takes effort. Guess what? People's lives are messy. They're messy. To be honest with you, it doesn't fit into my, what I like. Maybe that's why God has me as a pastor. Because it's not about fitting everything into your little box, George. It's about meeting people's needs, about having an authentic faith. A faith that is working is a faith that works. And if your faith is profitable to others, it will encourage and it will engage. See, we really don't want the mess of other people's lives. We don't want to have to deal with that. But if your faith is going to be profitable, you must deal with it. This really is all about the gospel. A faith that is it's profitable to others. Should not your faith be profitable to the unsaved? It ought to engage others, should it not? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be engaging. So a faith that works is a faith, a, a working faith is a faith that works. Not only to meet the needs here, physically, we can do that. 
But how are you and I, how are we engaging the lost around us? Is your, is your saving faith profitable to someone out there? Could you be able to say, hey, I, I want to show you how my saving faith has been profitable to this person right here. They came to know Christ. God used me. They came to know Christ because of my faith. I'm so thankful for the 11, the 11 boys and girls that got saved at VBS. You know what? Because some of you were willing to serve. Now, I understand not all of you could serve because of health reasons or whatever. Maybe you're away. So I'm not disparaging you at all. But because of your service, your faith became profitable to others. Some of you rushed home right from work, shoved something in your mouth, and came right over. Some of you couldn't even shove anything in your mouth. What were you doing? You were putting your faith ahead of your physical needs. Guess what? God doesn't look lightly on that. That you would be willing to have your faith be profitable to others. What about this week? Would you, have, would you engage somebody with your faith? That it would be profitable to someone else so that they could come to know the Lord? My question for you when I started was your, is your faith working or is it broken? According to the word of God, what we just saw, would you be able to say your faith is profitable? Tonight I'm going to ask you the question that I asked you a few moments ago. And I want you to think about this. Would somebody look at me and my faith and be encouraged to go a little bit further? because of my walk with the Lord. Would they look up to me and say, that's what I want to be like. They've got something that I want. You know, I think all of us this morning, we could all come to the altar and say, Lord, if it's not there, give that to me. Forgive me. Or we could say, Lord, help me to stay faithful to you and give me more of that. Do you realize that the only reason that you can be faithful to God is because God is faithful to you? Lord, just give me more of it. Help me keep my eyes on you. So that is coming behind me that they'd be encouraged. Guess what? One day, folks, all of us in this auditorium, we're going to be dead if the Lord tarries. And listen, there's another generation coming behind us. What are we doing to encourage and engage their faith. You want to know why? And I'll close with this. So many young people walk away from the church. Sometimes, I, 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 there are some issues. I understand that. But you want to know why so many singles and, and teenagers and young adults, they walk away from the church? Because the faith that they saw in church was not the same faith that they saw at home. You know what? Like I said before, there's nothing wrong with pray, raising your hands, praising the Lord, tears streaming down your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But guess what? They ought to see a mom and dad on their knees at home 
raising their hand in prayer, maybe tears streaming down their eyes. Thank you, Jesus. I know you're going to answer this prayer according to your will. Help me to be subject to it. They ought to see a mom and dad with their Bibles open, engaging in their faith so that that way, that young person will say, you know what, this is real. I, mom and dad, they're, they're a little bit different. And, uh, I don't understand, but th- this is, it's, it's real to them and it needs to become real to me. See, so many times we're worried about what everybody else thinks. Guess what? Let's get this profitable faith started at home. And I guarantee you, if every single home in here this morning, we decide we're going to have a profitable faith, we're going to have a working faith that engages and encourages our family, guess what? This church will be a different church. Our homes will be different homes. We don't have to worry about our Sunday self and then our Monday self. Our Sunday self ought to be our all-week self. How's your faith? Is it working? Or do we need to come to the altar and say, Lord, it's broke, help me. May God help us all.